Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Kia ora and welcome. From Radio New Zealand National, here's our changing world. I think there is a consensus now on the fact that the, the cost of doing nothing uh, would, be, uh, would be huge huge. Uh, because the cost of doing nothing, in fact, would be the cost of accepting a, a, a more than two degrees a situation at the end of the century. And it's uh, a zone of, uh, of no control, in fact. Uh, if I give you an example, uh, I heard recently uh, the, the CEO of Swiss Re, which is uh, one of the main uh, reinsurers of the world, who said a world above two degrees is not insurable. You see what, it's, what it means for costs. The insurers are probably uh, legitimate people to talk about uh, what would be the cost of doing nothing. I agree with Pierre that uh, the cost of inaction is really on the table. But knowing that there is a big cost, and well, it might be that the, our world is going to disappear, doesn't mean that we know exactly what we are going to do. And it doesn't mean that people are thinking they have power to do something, because uh, I think that especially in civil societies, I mean, if you are just an individual and not somebody being in a in, in, in situation of responsibility in the economic sector, you feel that you are just part of a general process and that uh, uh, it's so complex and it implies so many different things that how are we going to imagine this new world and what, is, what should we do, we do first? So these questions are part of the fact that even if we know the costs are there, in a way, we feel uh, some kind of difficulties in imagining what we have to do and on what scale of time we have to act. Can I throw that question back at you? What are your ideas of how we should act? What should we do first? What are the most important steps towards a low-carbon or even a decarbonised economy? And is it possible to have that as well as a standard of living that we're used to now? I definitely think that it's possible and that it's at arm length. And it was the main conclusions of the recent Nick Stern and uh, Calderon uh, review, uh, better growth, better climate. I think it's possible because we have all the technological solutions. It's possible because it's not a, a so heavy part of the global uh, GDP uh, to dedicate to uh, the green investments. And it's also possible because the transition has already begun all over the world. And the question is acceleration. And, and that's a dramatic question. And to accelerate, we need essentially signals to accelerate the, the investments at all the levels, national, regional, sub-national, in the private sector, in the public sector. And so the question is how to find the good signals. As Pierre, I believe it's possible, but I would say, maybe I would stress different things. First of all, I think that we have to change the way we see technologies because, of course, technologies are here and we should invest, but at the same time, we should change our way, ways of living, we should change our ways of uh, uh, acting, we should change our relationship to new generations. So it's, uh, it's changing the way we, we think the world and we see it. And progress 
in this new world is not going to have the same contents. When you talk about growth, for example, there is a big debate, you know, about is it good to have growth or not if you want to maintain this objective of two degrees. Having a discussion about the contents of growth, for example, what does it mean in terms of way of living, in terms of uh, uh, functioning of the economy is very important. Having a discussion about nature, can we give an, a value to nature? How are we going to protect and preserve uh, what is our national resources and at the same time give the opportunity to uh, underdeveloped country to develop? All these questions should be uh, solved progressively, but they are in the scope. It's not only technology investment. We should imagine a world where these uh, differences in development and ways of living is so huge that uh, this question of justice has to be interlinked with economics. When I said that it was possible and it was at arm length and essentially a question of accelerating the investments, it doesn't mean that it's simple. And if it's not simple, if it's so complex, it's because it deals with the global transformation and that it's all about justice, as Lucille said. The reason why it's so difficult to reach an agreement between the 195 countries about that is because we have to share to spread, in fact, uh, the investment, the efforts, and that of all over the world, and that, of course, uh, there are people who are expecting to be uh, winners, uh, but uh, at the moment, uh, they are still uh, weaker than the ones who, who are fearing to be losers. And that's the problem of, uh, of justice, and for, for sometimes for good, uh, for good reasons, you know, and so we have to deal with that. And so it's a very complex social global issue. Would not a global price on carbon actually tackle a lot of those issues. It would provide an incentive to move technologies towards a non-carbon um, industries. It would also take care of the equity issues between polluters and non-polluters. And it might even incorporate some thinking about the price for nature. I would say that uh, we should know that giving a price to carbon do doesn't mean that uh, we are coping with the question of adapting uh, southern economies. So we should have an objective with, um, inside the, the preoccupation of mitigation, and at the same time we should have an objective, a, a very precise and simple one, on the question of adapting uh, adaptation, which means that the South should have opportunities to develop itself in a different way we use to develop our economies. And we should make this balanced way to see this negotiation. Uh, we should show that we are offering Southern countries opportunities and we are not uh, trying to put them in a um, second-hand development. As regards the carbon price, I agree it's not a silver bullet. For example, it's not uh, with the carbon price that we will address the adaptation issue. And even for mitigation, it's not a silver bullet. We need a, a different, uh, different signals. But this one is absolutely necessary. I don't think that the, the global price, a unique global price, uh, is possible. And I'm, and I'm not sure it would be the first best as a solution. It was a dream of economists uh, at the Kyoto period to, uh, to imagine that we could uh, launch uh, a global price for carbon all over the world. In fact, when I say it would not be necessarily the first bet, because it's very difficult to, to have the same price in Los Angeles and in Calcutta, it could be very uh, uh, handicapping for the, uh, for the Calcutta's uh, building, house building for industry, for example. And so we must put price on carbon absolutely because it's the best signal to accelerate the investment toward green. 
and to penalize uh, the brown investments. But we will have different prices all over the world. We will have a kind of disorder about uh, uh, carbon pricing because it will depend on the uh, capacity of the different uh, economies. And we have to prove also to the uh, southern world that putting a price on carbon is profitable for their own transition. That's the reason why, for example, offsetting on an international scale is a good thing because it is the way to orient financing amounts toward the south. It's one of the ways to do it. But uh, we have to accept that it will be a very complex world. And we have to accept also that we need other signals, such as signals for the financial uh, world itself. That we need, we need also, of course, uh, uh, much more classical signals in the budgets, uh, budgets of the nation. For example, uh, the removal of uh, all subsidies to uh, to fossil fuel, which is as much important as the carbon price. Are you both optimistic that we'll find our way through this towards a broader thinking, on one hand, but using sort of economic instruments to? You spoke a lot about accelerating a process that's already underway. Yes, for example, uh, in Europe particularly, when you see that uh, the young generation is considering that to be owner of a car is a stupid thing, I think we have reasons to be optimistic. If you see uh, the speed of uh, development of uh, what we call the uh, uh, sharing economy, uh, the economy of use and not of ownership, uh, I think we have reasons to be optimistic because it's true that it's not rational to be uh, the owner of a car just to make five kilometers a day and to occupy it with 1.5%, which is the, the, the worldwide average. You know, It's a terrible waste of capital. The fact that people are becoming conscious of this, I think it's a very good reason to be optimistic. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this, you can find more stories on our webpage radionz.co.nz forward slash our changing world. Kia ora mai. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.